The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this Lord's Day in this Parents, Family, and Friends Weekend at Boston University for our gathered community here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry, service, and leadership in our midst. And as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
may we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We sometimes find ourselves lost in the wilderness of life. This is to be human. And so we take our bearings once again from a high mountain. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor, father and mother, that thy days be long upon the earth. Thou shalt not kill, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet. Sometimes a bit lost, we benefit from taking our bearings once again. As the choir sings with us our traditional Kyrie, may we bow in silent confession. Let us pray. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of prophet Joel from the book of the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 23 through 32. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain, as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vat shall overflow with wine and oil. 
I will repay you for the years the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously to you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward I will pull out my, pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show importance in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I invite you to join me in reading verses, actually all of Psalm 65 with the antiphon. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion. To you shall voice be performed. To you who hear prayer, all flesh shall come because of their sins. When our transgressions prevail over us, you forgive them. Blessed are those whom you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. You shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By dread deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation, who is the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who by your strength established the mountains being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at earth's farthest bounds are afraid at your signs. You make the morning and the evening resound with joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide its grain, for you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. The tracks of your chariot drip with fatness. The pastures of the wilderness drip. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. And now, beloved, I invite you to rise as you're able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, 
chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Glory to you, O Lord. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. But all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified. Persistence in prayer is difficult in our and in any age. We can readily appreciate the stark rigor of Jesus' Lucan parables. We've heard them steadily this year. A Samaritan whose kindness illumines the limits of religion. A rich man who builds bigger barns but whose soul suddenly is required. A figure of a fig tree, fruitless but spared for yet another year in hope. A marriage feast wherein humility is tested and the poor are fed. Another banquet to which many are invited but few respond. And out to the highways and byways the invitation goes. A lost sheep found, a lost coin found, a lost prodigal son found. A truly dishonest steward whose wiliness shines out. A rich man who turns his back on a poor man and roasts in hell for it. A persistent widow who raises her voice to an unjust judge. Talent wasted and invested, a vineyard stolen by tenants, and today a publican, a tax collector, persistent in prayer. What drove Luke alone? These parables are only in Luke to remember or construct the parables. Was it the lengthening years without ultimate victory since the cross of Christ or the long decades of living in spirit but without Jesus or the uncertainties of institution, culture, citizenship and multiple responsibilities in any community? The daily stresses of managing endless contention and intractable difference. It is the early church that can give an example for us today. Luke's church, the end of the first century, to us in our time of anxiety. They had waited for Jesus to return and he delayed. And he delays still. It is enough sometimes to make you lose heart. So we sing, though with a scornful wonder, we see her sorrow pressed by schism rent asunder, by heresy distressed. Yet saints their watch are keeping. Their cry goes up, how long? For soon the night of weeping will be the morn of song. Persistence in prayer takes faith to be in faith. The publican, the tax collector, looks himself hard in the mirror and prays, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He uses a word that we avoid, sin. Sin is utterly personal. We understand that. We know the covenantal commands of the Decalogue heard a moment ago. As grace touches ground in Jesus Christ, sin touches sand in personal confessions. That is, we get lost. It's our nature, east of Eden. We get lost in sex without love, lust. We get lost in consumption without nourishment, gluttony. We get lost in accumulation without investment, avarice. We get lost in rest without weariness, in happiness without struggle, sloth. 
We get lost in righteousness without restraint, anger. We get lost in desire without ration or respect, envy. And most regularly, we get lost in integrity without humility, pride. If you've never known lust, gluttony, avarice, sloth, anger, envy, and integrity without humility, pride, then you are not a sinner, and you are outside the cloud of sin, and you need no repentance, and you may not be quite human altogether. We get lost. It is our nature. And it is a long wait. And that is just the point. Like the bridesmaids who waited without lamps trimmed, we feel the length of the wait. How long, O Lord? We can offer a persistent common prayer in the hours of our waiting. And we can slowly and stumblingly give ourselves over to this persistence in prayer and to the forms of religious practice, not just spirituality, but religious practice that bear meaning to the life of the church for all its foibles, wherein we learn the grammar of grace and where through we face down the evils of this age. Persistence in prayer is challenging in our tradition, Edward Mendelssohn wrote. Virginia Woolf's serious joke that, quote, on or about December 1910, human character changed, was a hundred years premature. Human character changed on or about December 2010, when everyone, it seemed, started carrying a smartphone. For the first time, practically anyone could be found intruded upon, not only at some fixed address at home or at work, but everywhere at all times. Before this, everyone could expect in the course of the day some time at least in which to be left alone, unobserved, unsustained, and unburdened by public or familial roles. That era has come to an end. When the smartphone brings messages, alerts, and notifications that invite instant responses and induces anxiety if those messages fail to arrive, Everyone's sense of time changes, and attention that used to be focused more or less distantly on, say, tomorrow's mail is concentrated in the, in the present moment. You cannot reduce your engagement with the past and future without diminishing yourself, without becoming more tenuous, less human. Persistence in prayer is challenging in our culture. Beloved, this week, rather than another hour of email or on our smartphone, perhaps we could walk alone, quiet, talk alone, quiet, talk to God, talk to God, tell it to God, pray. Our overcapacity in email is a direct consequence of our underinvestment in prayer. One advantage of a life of study, the life of the mind, the college years, is the chance to pick out some new theological eyeglasses, prayerfully consider, for example, the thought of Charles Taylor, our Montreal philosopher. Taylor explores the background conditions of our life, social imaginaries, moral 
perspectives, the cultural influences we sometimes take for granted. Taylor's emphasis, central emphasis, is the exploration of fullness and experience of what counts most in life. Those who heard the choir and collegium on Kallenbach last night know full fullness well. Taylor views the spiritual shape of the present age through the lenses of the work of others, Ivan Illich, Gerard Manley Hopkins, Isaiah Berlin. He has no interest in a return to an untroubled harmony. We can't go backward, which is utterly unattainable and is even a kind of culpable weakness. Taylor seeks a new, more nuanced map of the ideological terrain all about us. He seeks fullness. I prayerfully remember the summer, thinking in prayer of Taylor, I look in the autumn back to the summer. Therein, when I see my granddaughter Ellie tubing behind a motorboat for the first time, I have the joyful fullness of watching her as a remembrance of her mother, our daughter, Emily, skiing on the same lake. When our youngest granddaughter, Hannah, wakes from a nap, or when her brother, Charlie, screwing his courage to the sticking post, tries tubing himself, or when their cousin Sally cries out wanting her dad, our son Benjamin, or when Jan comes home as happy as Yogi Bear, her bucket full of blackberries, or when the blue lake and the blue sky outside the blue cottage call out the name of the blue god, then there is fullness in a summer hue. So Charles Taylor, that great Canadian, has something he rails against. He rails against subtraction of transcendence, That is, he fights against the late modern urge to bracket out such transcendence. Transcendence in ordinary life, in society, in erotic love, in a new poetic language, Taylor works to make sufficient cultural space for transcendence. And that is just what we are about here at Marsh Chapel, too. Taylor affirms not disenchantment, but re-enchantment. Claims for belief, for God, a sense of soul and salvation over against the modern or late modern experience of malaise, ennui, uncertainty, melancholy, despair. Here is his question. Where in the culture of expressive individualism is the sacred? To this end, Taylor examines a kind of diffusive Christianity a habit of moving between belief and unbelief, an emphasis on believing, not belonging. His work heralds a new age of religious searching, not a decline in religious belief and practice, but a plurality of forms of belief and unbelief, transitory and fragile, existing within a range of cross-pressures within the ongoing contest of religiosity and materialism. He criticizes what he calls excarnation, a shift from taking the body seriously, head over all. In all, Taylor is the evangelist for the joy of everyday relationships, conduct, and experiences, his ear tuned to the sacred, his eye searching out the range of the sacred canopy, his mind alive to spirit, his heart given over to a hymnic celebration of our aspiration to wholeness. His work is a hymn to and of persistence in prayer. 
Beloved, we fear and we try to find our security in larger automobiles or drug supplies or stock collections or homes or layers of disconnection, gated communities of the mind and heart. But security comes not through possession, but through relationship. Do you want to be safe and secure and invest yourself in a lifetime of building and keeping healthy relationships? There is your security where neither moth nor rust consumes. Such persistence in prayer needs new theological eyes in our era. Ernest Fremont Tittle was the greatest Methodist preacher of his mid-20th century generation. Tougher than Sockman, truer than Peel, Tittle preached in Chicago until age 60, at which he died at his desk writing about Luke and the parables this season. There is, he wrote, special need for persistence in prayer when the object sought is the redressing of social wrongs. God will see justice done if the human instruments of his justice do not give way to weariness, impatience, or discouragement, but persevere in prayer and labor, labor for the improvement of world conditions. Here we can learn from the scientists. Medical research is a prayer for the relief of suffering, the abolition of disease, the conservation of life, a prayer in which the scientist perseveres in the face of whatever odds. We have a lot to learn and much in ourselves to overcome before we can be used of God as instruments of his justice. Recognizing this, Gandhi spent hours each day in prayer and meditation and maintained a weekly day of silence. Persistence in prayer takes practice for those who seek to resist injustice. We shall persist in a common prayer. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our warming globe caught in climate change will be cooled by cooler heads and calmer hearts and careful minds. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our dangerous world, armed to the teeth with nuclear proliferation, will find peace through deft leadership toward nuclear detente. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our culture, awash in part in hooliganism, will find again the language, song, and spirit of the better angels of our nature. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our country, fractured by massive inequality between rich and poor children, will rise up and make education, free education, available to all children, poor and rich. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our nation, fractured by flagrant unjust inequality between rich and poor children, will stand up and make health care, free health care, available to all children, poor and rich. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our schools, colleges, and universities will balance a love for learning with a sense of meaning, a pride in knowledge with a respect for goodness, a drive for discovery with a regard for recovery. And we offer a common prayer that our families, often torn about, torn, torn apart by abuse, distrust, anger, jealousy, and, un and unkindness, 
We'll sit at a long Thanksgiving table this autumn and share the turkey, pass the potatoes, slice the pie, and even if grudgingly, show kindness and pity to one another. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our decisions in life about our callings, how we are to use our time and spend our money, how we make a life, not just a living, will be illumined by grace and generosity. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that our grandfathers and mothers in their age and infirmity will receive care and kindness that accords with the warning to honor father and mother that your days be long upon the earth. We offer a common prayer, a prayer that women, our grandmothers, mothers, sisters, daughters, granddaughters, all, granted suffrage less than 100 years ago, will be spared any and all forms of harassment and abuse, verbal or physical, on college campuses, in homes and families, in offices and bars, in life and work, and long having suffered and now having suffrage, will in our time rise up to be honored, revered, and compensated without reserve, but with justice and mercy. And we offer a common prayer a persistent prayer. Finally, a prayer not of this world, but of this world as a field of formation for another. Not just creation, but new creation. Not just life, but eternal life. Not just health, but salvation. Not just heart, but soul. Not just earth, but heaven. Persist, beloved in prayer. Talk to God, walking on the river, in the woods, on the beach, once a day. Do not use email and other such modes when a silent prayer will suffice. Go to church once a week for sermon and music and Eucharist, but also to see different others, to feel the presence of different neighbors, to place yourself in the fullness of the community of God's people. Give away 10% of what you earn to the church you love, to the mission you admire, to the school that taught you, to the place where you see help meeting hurt. Read. Read every sentence when you read and think it through. Read. Read your Bible. Read a good newspaper. Read. How shall we, how shall we pray, how shall we pray? Pray always, labor omnia winket. Do not lose heart, work conquers all. Pray always, all of us are better when we're loved. Do not lose heart, early to bed and early to rise. Pray always, a stitch in time. Do not lose heart, waste not, want not. Pray always. Rome was not built in a day. Do not lose heart. Only the devil has no time to let things grow. Pray always. Persistence in prayer begins with a decision to pray without ceasing. God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified. Amen.
Please be seated. We now come to a time of meditation and prayer in the service. I invite you to assume a position that is most comfortable for you, sitting, standing, kneeling, or at the altar rail. Let us come together to reflect as the choir leads us, singing the call to prayer. Gracious and loving God, we thank you today for those who have guided and supported us in our lives. We lift up to you our parents, guardians, siblings, mentors, family, and friends. We thank you for, for their presence, wisdom, and memory in our personal journeys. We remember those for whom this weekend is a reminder of loss, separation, or strain. Grant that they may find solace on this day, merciful one, and that we may be present and mindful with them. We remember those who are grieving loss in this community and in those beyond it. We remember their sorrow, their care, and their strength. Renew in us your, your compassion, O God, that we may be with them in the days, weeks, and months to come. Grant that they may find time for healing through your loving spirit. We remember the strife and division that continues to drive apart your creation. We remember those affected by poverty, stigma, violence, and illness. Renew in us our capacity to listen, to bear witness, and to act, that we may work to heal and change those divisions between us. As we look out upon the colorful leaves, falling rains, and cold winds, we are reminded of the change that comes in your creation. Grant us, Eternal One, the time we need to embrace and reconcile with this change. May we find peace, solace, hope, and healing through it. Amen. And now let us pray with the words that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
Good morning. We welcome you again to the nave of Marsh Chapel on this beautifully crisp fall morning during Friends and Family Weekend here at BU and also the head of the Charles Regatta here in Boston. We're so thankful to have you here with us today, whether you are seated here in the nave, uh, listening at home via WBUR, either on the radio or via internet or listening later at the podcast. For those of you who are sitting here in the, pew, in the pews, we invite you to put your name and contact information in the red pads located along the center aisle of each pew. This helps us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. A few announcements and events that are coming up uh, this week at Marsh. Immediately after the service, we invite you to join us in the Marsh Room for our Friends and Family Weekend Luncheon. Um, it will give us a chance to greet you and share in some delicious food. Uh, we remind you of the uh, Sunday morning study group, which meets at 9.45 before the service. Uh, this year, um, this semester, they are reading Five Views on Faith and Politics, uh, a relevant topic for this, this uh, political season. Um, so we invite you to join them. There are free books that are located in the office. Just stop by and ask Katie No for one of them, or you can speak directly to Reverend, Reverend Jen Quigley or Marsh Associate uh, Matt Crone about that. Tomorrow evening at 7.30 p.m. is our monthly gathering for graduate students um, of faith at the BU Pub for Religion on Tap. Um, we invite anybody who is 21 plus to join us at 7.30 to have a discussion. Um, Tuesday from 3 to 6 p.m., our weekly Arts and Crafts Fellowship will be engaging in our Craft for a Cause for October by knitting and crocheting pocket prayer squares for members of our local community who need some extra encouragement right now. Um, experienced knitters and crocheters are welcome, as well as those who want, uh, those of you who want to learn how to knit, we're welcome, we're, we'd love to teach you how, so please either see myself, Jessica Chico, or uh, speak to Casey Schultz, who is our Marsh Associate for creation and all things related thereto. Um, we remind our community that there are many opportunities to find a centering time and place at Marsh throughout the week, um, including mon Monday meditation, which meets at 12.15 p.m. on uh, Monday afternoons down in Robinson Chapel, as well as our spiritual yoga that meets in the same location at 4.45 p.m. on Thursdays. Everyone is welcome to participate in those. For all other chapel news and upcoming events, we invite you to stay connected with us on social media via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, as well as through the chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. As the ushers come forward for the offering, let us remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
Lord, you are our God, and there is no other. We offer these gifts in ourselves in humility to store up treasure not on earth but in heaven. Bless them and us. Put us and them to your use for mercy, justice, and peace. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. the sun so warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance grew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 